come manca questa partita? Roma-Lazio, cerca di capire Elena, Roma-Lazio! That's right, Alberto. It is a Rome derby special on today's Gol Lazio, celebrating the craziest of Calcio's crosstown clashes, looking back at some classic games and also forward to this Saturday's confrontation. Also today, how good is Piontek and are Juve about to lose their first league game of the season? delle briciole concentrato e molto attento si ma con la testa fra le nuvole to the sweet sounds of Il Piccione by Porvia it is a new golazzo with me James Horncastle and you Jet No Wait <laughs> Rolls reversed, James. That's uh, yeah. Uh, now, what a lovely tune that is, and why is that in some strange way appropriate for today? So, Francesco Totti, legendary Roma captain, was a guest on the stage at San Remo a couple of years ago and was asked to name his favorite song, and he named that one Et Picione because it's a derogatory way to refer to to Lazio fans, who obviously their nickname of the club is the Eagles. They have Olympia the Eagle who, you know, occasionally is allowed out to uh, fly around the stadium uh, before games, uh, but not derby games because uh, too much tension going on for, mm-hmm. for an Eagle to be flying around and also, you know, might be taken aim at by Roma fans. So when she isn't there, Roma fans like to sing, where's the, where's the pigeon? Right. Yeah. Catch that pigeon. Catch that pigeon. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Francesco Totti is such a huge part of this uh, game over over recent decades, both in terms of the goals he scored, but also the amount of winding up he's done of his uh, neighbours across town. And one of the reasons why this is not just the biggest event in Rome, but also the biggest derby in Italy, I would say. Yeah, I think it's the fiercest. I think the bitterest is probably the Derby d'Italia these days between uh, Juventus and Inter. Um, But I think one of the reasons why the Rome derby is so uh, sentita, so felt in the city is that historically this is what defines what is a good and a bad season for both clubs because they haven't won all that much. You know, you think Roma have won three league titles, Lazio have won two. And so, yeah, this is why they talk about this game all year. You know, some of the managers and players who've played in the uh, Derby della Madonnina or the, the Derby della Lanterna have said, you know, in, in those cases, you know, you, you might become aware that there's a big game coming, you know, a couple of days before the game uh, by reading about it in the papers. Um, but in Rome, you know, for, for months. To be fair, every city has stories like this. This is the most keenly felt rivalry and everybody talks about it for months to come. But it's interesting that, say, a publication like 442 did their rundown of, of the 50 top derbies or rivalries in the world and, and they have this as top five, as the top Italian one. They've got Boca River in there, of course, uh, Barcelona Real, uh, Celtic Rangers, Nacional Penarol, which is quite niche, and, and of course, Il Derby del Cupolone or Capitolino or whatever you want to call it. And I think that one of the reasons why it's so intense in Rome is not just the lack of success, it's the fact that there's so much concentration of media and attention on these teams every single week. You've got your own sports daily, every single day of the week, with about 20 pages on football. You've got how many radio stations are there that exclusively deal in talking about well, I think Roma and Lazio? There may be ten each, 
And yeah, and this is a city of what two and a half million people. And uh, you know, I think uh, Roma's owner James Plot has taken some pride at attempting to shut some of these radio stations down. And the reason why is because he wants to control the narrative. Because as you mm. say, there's this constant swirl of uh, of gossip, of sfoto, you know, that kind of just playful kind of banter, if you like, of insulting the other, um, which just whips up tensions disproportionately. So really, um, as we say, for for two clubs that are massive within the city, but then I, I would say considered provincial almost by by everybody else because of the lack of, of trophies in their trophy cabinet, the lack of success. Although a couple of the really interesting yeah. derbies we're going to look back on, one was actually the, the cup final mm. and the other was, was a kind of rite of passage of the Scudetto from one Roman team to another. Just to kind of highlight I guess the the difference of this game it's worth as well mentioning the derby that didn't take place the one back in March 2004 which got abandoned after fans spread a rumour that a boy had been killed by a police car outside the Stadio Olimpico a couple of minutes into the the second half Mm. basically they called Francesco Totti over one of the most important figures in world football being basically beckoned over by by the fans and they told him that this had happened, that, that the, the game shouldn't continue. And he'd said that he'd heard the rumour, but the police had denied it. And the ultras tell him, no, we saw it and we've spoken to the relatives. This game finishes now. So they called the game off. Of course, nothing of the kind had happened. And what happened next instead was that the Roma and Lazio ultras went out together and had a combined attack on a local caserma, a local uh, uh, Carabinieri barracks. Mm. Rioting went on for hours. There are, I think, 130 people injured. Yeah, despite Totti going on the public announcer speaker to say, you know, as you were leaving the stadium, we don't want this to descend into violence. That's exactly what what happened. And you mentioned the the ultras who came to talk to him. He said, look, I, I knew them. And this is you know, plain fact for players in this rivalry who've grown up in that in that city he said you know one of the head ultras brothers you know lived on my street in my neighborhood uh in rome and i wouldn't say they necessarily go out of their way to associate them but they have to have some kind of a dialogue and you look at the number of derbies let's say lost by these teams and how you know the next day they would have you know maybe four thousand fans outside stopping them from getting out. But that derby in particular is full of conspiracy theories as to what was the motive behind getting the game abandoned. You know, one of them was that, you know, it was a it was the ultras showing their power, showing that they could stop a game. That has been denied. Uh, there's been numerous trials to get to the bottom of, of what exactly went on in that game. But yeah, definitely one of the, the most bizarre, particularly when we mentioned the the Paparelli derby, that, that derby did then get played the same day. Um, even though a Lazio fan had been killed um, and was played out in a bizarre, surreal atmosphere, really. So, yeah, I mean, this, this rivalry has has everything. Well, ahead of the 150th meeting then, Saturday, of these two clubs in Serie A, let's have a little look back at a few of the more memorable recent additions. Roma, Roma, Roma Gente che fa sospirare. 
Antonello Venditti, of course, the unofficial, perhaps official, perhaps troubadour of the Gelo Rossi and, and creator of two of the finest club anthems ever. Yeah, without doubt. You know, after every Roma win, James, they play Grazia Roma, mm. which is uh, another of the crooners' huge hits. Now, in terms of derbies then, James, you've seen plenty. What mm. sticks out in your memory? Well, let's go back to the turn of the century, shall we? Uh, or ap- approaching it, when Rome was really, I think for the only time in, in history, really, the centre of the world uh, in Italian football, because these two teams uh, were gearing up, pushed on by each other to try and win the league title. So, 99, you have the 3-1 Roma win against Lazio. Was it in April that year when Lazio were top of the table at the time, six points clear, looked like they were going to win their first league title since 1974, the Kinalia team, and Roma... Uh, much to their great satisfaction, uh, threw a, a big spanner in the works. Yeah, extraordinary, a 3-1 win. It was a, it was a match that was billed a little bit as a battle of the number 10s. Roma had Totti, but Lazio in those days had Roberto Mancini, and they also had... Marcelo Salas, they had Christian Vieri, they had Boxic, they had Mihalovic, Sergio Conceição. They also had Pavel Nedved, who got completely done in this match repeatedly by Cafu's sombreros. Roma had Totti and Del Vecchio, who had a great record in the derby. Super Marco, the rakish, whippet-looking... The uh, Trillia. Yeah. The Trout. Exactly. I mean, he still looks no different. He's got the exact same uh, hairstyle, greying a little... Yeah, you mentioned his record in the, in this fixture. He scored nine goals, Oof. which um, for a long time was the joint record uh, with Dino da Costa, a Roma striker from the 1950s. Um, Totti would later eclipse it. And this derby was very much about them too, um, Del Vecchio and Totti, because uh, I think Del Vecchio put them in front and then doubled the lead. And Vieri, who'd had a, a couple of chances um, to get them back into it, ultimately does, makes it 2-1. And then near stoppage time, Totti scores one of one of the goals that I think started his his legend in this fixture because we see this start of this tradition of him unveiling these T-shirts with taunts aimed at Lazio and this one there, uh, Viho purgato ancora, I purged you again. Yeah, which is kind of hard to translate. <laughs> yeah. But I think the suggestion is I've basically given you an enema mm. or I've gone through you like a dose of salts. Yeah. I'm not sure... But yeah, it, whatever it was, it certainly seemed to sting because uh, that ramped up the rivalry uh, still well, further. And also, James, the fact that in the 70th minute, I think Mihailovic gets sent off. In the 80th minute, Alessandro Nesta gets sent off. And we talked about the fact that Lazio were top of the league at this point. The following week, they go to Juventus without these two big players for them. They lose. I think the week after that, they go and play against Fiorentina. Batigol scores against them, who'd obviously the following season become a Roma player. And their whole title challenge fell apart and Milan ended up overtaking them and winning the league. And I think this was the game which saw the Ultras, the Lazio Ultras, actually go to Formello in in the days following, basically break into training and rough up the players just to let them know how unhappy they were at, at, at their performance. And just underlying this, Lazio was still top of the table mm. at this point. Just extraordinary how keenly this result matters. Yeah, and there were six points ahead at the top of the table going into this into this derby. It looked like they were going to win the league title for the first time since the team with Canalia in, in 1974. And this defeat sent Lazio into a, a spiral um, because 
because of the suspensions that they had from this game, which cost them against Juventus. Um, and Milan ultimately were able to come back from the point of apparent no return and uh, and sneak the league title away from them. Their manager that year, Sven Juran Eriksson. Mm, former Roma manager former as well. Former Roma manager, yeah. <laughs> Who was to, of course, then pick up the title the following year. Yeah. And then Roma after that. Vio Purgato Ancora, a classic Totti Sfoto. But another classic one came 16 years later when Totti's still banging them in in, in derbies. In that 2-2, this was the 11th of January, 2015. Obviously, slightly different-looking lineup for for Lazio, but they have the likes of uh, uh, match-fixing Stefano Mauri and uh, also Felipe Anderson, who that year was having an absolutely amazing campaign, mm. powering Lazio, the Bianco Celeste, to a, a, a remarkable third-place finish. Anyway, those two players had put Lazio 2-0 up. Totti, though, came back with a brace. Do you remember the second goal? You can't forget it. I mean, it's uh, we were working on BT that day. And it was quite interesting. At halftime, Roma going obviously 2-0 down. And uh, just before Totti goes out uh, for the second half, Rudy Garcia, the manager at the time, basically brings him over to the whiteboard in the dressing room and basically just draws a circle in the penalty area and says, I do not want you to move from there. Don't ever think about coming short, involving yourself in the play. Just stay in the penalty area. And obviously, Totti gets one shortly after half-time and as you say, the second goal at the far post, I think it's across from Strootman, which is kind of a, it's almost like a low scissor kick, uh, isn't it? You know, even by his standards, is a good goal, not his greatest derby goal, we'll get to that. The celebration, you know, again, just just to show how Totti finds new ways, even in at that late age of his career, to 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 kind of come back to haunt Lazio with the, what getting the goalkeeper coach to bring his his iPhone over, so he could uh, he could then take a s- selfie of him in front of the Curva Sud, which I think probably still to this day is the most tweeted tweet. Um, that Roma have put out even with this club that essentially wins all these social media awards oh what's that it's the Lazio hymn <laughs> zippy little number non sarai mai sola mm-hmm. you'll never be on your own yep yeah. Vola, l'aquila nel cielo. Yeah. Uh, fly pigeon, no, eagle, fly. <laughs> uh, when we talk about Lazio's successes in the derby, I guess their counterpart to Francesco Totti in terms of Romanus and how much he embodies the spirit of the club and how much he represents derby success would be Paolo Di Canio. Absolutely. Um, in a different way to, let's say, Giorgio Quinaglia in the 70s, um, who also would celebrate goals in such a way that you know, was really quite flagrant and brazen um, in front of the Curva Sud, which is the the Roma end. But yeah, you know, Di Canio was from Rome, from uh, from just just to the north of the city. Um, grew up as a as a Lazio fan, and 
I think a lot of people overlook how significant he is in terms of this rivalry because not only his alignment with the politics of the, let's say, the extreme wing of the the ultras, um, but also how he ended one of the longest winless runs that Lazio had in this rivalry, which had gone for 10 years between 1979 and 1989. Obviously, Lazio had been in and out of the league um, over that period. And this young... He was, was, what, a teenager? Yeah, exactly. This young Paolo Di Canio realises a dream, which is is not only to score in this derby, but to win this derby. And and what does he do? He goes and celebrates Canalia star under the Curva Sud. Exactly. Um, And again, you know, a lot of people, I think, when they think about Paolo Di Canio in this country, it's about his time at, at West Ham... Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Celtic. He was away for 16 years and he comes back in 2004-05 and in in January of that year does the exact same thing. Scores uh, in a 3-1 win and celebrates in front of the Kudvasud. Controllo di Liberano. Dentro subito per Di Canio. Memoria Di Canio. Paolo! Di Canio! 1-0! It was a remarkable story. Roma in 2005 were still vying for the title. Lazio were just battling to stay in Serie A. They were fighting relegation. They were also fighting bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Claudio Lotito had just taken over the club, which had been left in financial ruin by the collapse of Sergio Cragnotti's business empire. They had they had these incredible negotiations with the hundreds of millions of pounds that they owed the tax uh, authorities. And they'd signed just rafts of budget players. But Paolo Di Canio had made this decision to return to his boyhood club and take a massive pay cut mm. in doing so to try and to try and help them, to try and save them. And what does he do but open the scoring in this in this most important of derbies for Lazio? And a great goal as well. Um, a classic. It's Liverani pops it over the top and he volleys it in. Yeah, it's it's over Di Canio's shoulder and he he volleys it first time. It's up there with his best Premier League goal, I would say, that iconic volley for West Ham. And Lazio were brilliant in this game. Liverani in, in particular um, set up two of the goals. Cali hurt them again is, uh, is what Lazio's commentator... Uh, Guido De Angelis keeps saying on Mediaset because this is the other great thing about this rivalry is that on Mediaset, which I suppose is the was the the equivalent of BT, they would have kind of fan commentators. Uh, and De Angelis was the Lazio one, Carlo Zampa uh, was was the Roma one. But yeah, we'll hear a bit of him later on. Tacanio starts the scoring. Cassano equalises. But then Cesar, who I'd completely forgotten about, mm. makes it 2-1 before Tommaso Rocchi. Yeah. Yeah. The Rocky Horror Show for Roma. 3-1 victory. <laughs> indeed. And uh, Paolo de Canio then cements his place in uh, history and indeed infamy by going to the Curva Nord this time at the end of the game and doing a full-on Roman salute. Yeah. Which most people were pretty unhappy about. Alessandra Mussolini, the dictator's granddaughter, uh, said uh, how nice that Roman salute was. I'm going to write him a thank you note. Yes, yeah. And, yeah, Di Canio does have on his bicep, Duce, um, tattooed. He went and had that tattoo done in Bologna, one of the leftist cities <laughs> uh, in in the country. And uh, I think also maybe shortly after coming back, he ended up having a massive tattoo on his back 
of various fascist iconography, which took five hours and 20 minutes, uh, during which time he had just a 15-minute break, because that's how hard Paolo is. Mm. Uh, but, you know, look, Paolo's been, you know, very open about his his political views. You know, there's entire chapters in which he dedicates in two of his books, kind of explaining his, his outlook, his political uh, vision. He's to the right of Marcotti, just to put that in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who helped him ghost one of those That's books. True. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Mark Collins all along, perhaps. Yeah. Well, um, 16 years on then, De Canio doing it again. In terms of Lazio's successes, that was huge. Mm-hmm. How does 2013 rank when one of the biggest derbies, another of the biggest derbies ever, took place? Because this time... It was Roma against Lazio in the Coppa Italia final. Yeah, this was the first knockout game with silverware at stake. First time there'd, there'd been a uh, Derby della Capitale in, in the Coppa Italia final. Um, and, and Lazio won it uh, in, what, the 71st minute, mm. Senad Lulic. The Lulic game. Mauri, fa viaggiare ancora Candreva, è partito il traversone, Lobons, e poi mette dentro Lulic per il vantaggio della Lazio al 26esimo minuto del secondo tempo. He becomes an instant legend for Lazio. They were considering selling him at the end of that year. Mm. They've been unable to sell him since then because he's just such an idol of, of, of the fans and would would go on to launch a clothing line called uh, Setantuno, 71, after the minute in which he scored. Extraordinary. And uh, I think it was a Lazio fan who was doing his dissertation or his maybe his thesis at the time, and he, he famously, in the acknowledgements, thanked Senad Lulic for, uh, for helping him essentially get over the line in, 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 in submitting his work. Magnificent. Both teams came into that game on the 26th of May. They absolutely packed out Stadio Olimpico, 70,000, for the Italian Cup final. Uh, they'd had disappointing seasons, both of them, Roma and Lazio, and the atmosphere was, uh, I think, feisty would be the word. <laughs> so do, I don't know if you recall, but K-pop star Psy, he of uh, Gangnam yes. Style, was booked to do the kind of pre-match entertainment, but was pretty much unable to do so because he was absolutely deluged with whistles and fisky and, 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 and boo and all the, the various kind of petardi, the, the bombs that were, were mm. chucked. Legend has it that he actually cancelled the rest of his Italian tour on the basis of his of the reception he got at the Stadio Olimpico. I don't know. That's What's the bigger not. victory? <laughs> but uh, then, then, as you say, uh, uh, Lulic sealing his place in history on the seventy-first minute. Well, and James Lazio fans also, after the game, held mock funerals for Roma. You saw them carrying a coffin through the streets with Roma's name on it, with mm. Roma's colours on it. A lot of shops as well had the cancelli down with, instead of uh, Chiuso per Lutto, Chiuso per Lulic. Uh, (laughs) Lutto being uh, mourning. Yeah, and um, Totti and De Rossi, you know, saying that was, along with the Di Cagno game, the the worst memory um, that they had of this rivalry, something that took them not weeks but um, years to get over. And I think what we should also point out is that you know, Lazio under Latito have won things. You know, they've won the cup twice. They've been in the final, I think, another two or three times. They obviously beat Juventus in the Super Cup a couple of years ago. You know, Roma in that time have, have not won anything. Uh, and that's something that, you know, Lazio fans, you know, rightly kind of lord over the Romanisti. You know, Roma tend to get the spotlight and seem to do, you know, higher profile things. Lazio have, you know, been more successful in terms of at least the silverware that they've won in that time. I guess in that perspective, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lazio's biggest ever derby win. Do you know when that was? 
It was the one I think I was at. December 2006? Yeah, the 3-0. Right. The Delia Rossi in the Fountain game. Yeah. So Roma, this was this was the season when Spalletti had invented the new no-striker formation. Mm. He'd, he'd, he'd responded to injuries by basically playing Totti as a false nine, and it was absolutely brilliant. They were on a six-game winning streak coming into this game. They'd beaten Milan. They'd taken Catania apart 7-0. I was at that as well. Were that you? Was, that was riotous outside, because Catania, that was their first season in Serie A for a donkey's years, and they brought 8,000 ultras with them um, who after being humiliated like that I remember coming out of the ground with my Swedish friend quite high from the guy who'd been chipping a, a rock of marijuana in front of us to to find that I wasn't hallucinating Catania fans were genuinely tipping a bus over uh, outside wow. <laughs> um, but this one again uh, the, the, the derby here uh, 3-0 win for Lazio yeah, Lazio were magnificent in this game Ledesma scores one of the great derby goals top corner from 35 yards there were flares being thrown in the Tribuna Tevere which was where I was sat Essentially, both ultras, I think, had, had, had taken tickets in, in that side lateral stand so they could get at each other, which was, you know, made quite uncomfortable uh, experience. And then, yeah, leaving maybe two or three minutes before full time, running with my head down, only to see that there was just a line of boots in front of me and plexi shields of the uh, the riot police kind of ready to ready to jump into action where they needed. It might have been uncomfortable for you leaving, but even more so for Lazio manager Delio Rossi, <laughs> who it turned out had promised the legendary Lazio-supporting nun, Suor Paola, yes. that in the event of a victory, he would strip off to his smalls and dive into... Uh, which, the Janicola fountain, Janicola fountain, which if you watch the opening sort of scene of La Grande Bellezza, the Great Beauty, it's, it features in that. Um, that so was... he does an Anita Ekberg, essentially, <laughs> just to underline this is December and it's cold. It's in cold. And, and the Roma fans have gotten word that this was how Delia Rossi was going to celebrate a victory in the derby. Do you think this is true? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Um, and so they say that they basically got there first and warmed the waters for him a little bit. Yeah, used it as a uh, a marble urinal, right. let's say. <laughs> right. But it didn't stop him from jumping in, getting into his smalls and you know shivering out and then being given a uh, a dressing gown. But yeah, Delia Rossi, who, yeah, I mean, won one of those cups uh, with Lazio and the Lotito um, and you know, had, as you say, the, the biggest win that they had in this rivalry. Yeah, one of the the proudest moments Lazio fans look back on along with I think they were when they were down in the second division in the late 70s early 80s they played Roma in the cup and Roma were in the top flight and they beat them and you know again that was something that they they dearly loved the fact that you know even though they were a second tier side they were still the number one team in the city hmm. which again plays into this rivalry because Lazio established in 1900 Roma in 1927 you know, Claudio Lotito insists that when Macron or Puma or whoever it is make their shirts that under the collar, it does say we are the first team in Rome, be it first team in established, be it first team in their opinion as being the best team in the city. 3-0 Lazio's biggest ever winning margin. Roma have gone slightly better than that. And the 11th of March 2002 came an extraordinary victory for uh, the Giallarossi in what was a pretty interesting game because, as we kind of referenced before, this was the two most recent champions of Italy coming together. Roma, who were the title holders, and Lazio, the team that they had taken the crown from, the 
from the year before and a match that was all about Vincenzo Montella and this extraordinary piece of commentary. Carlo Zampa there, <laughs> declaring his undying love for Vincenzo Montella. He was going to give up women uh, because he's so in love with, uh, with with Montella and what he did that night, which was unprecedented. Mm. Um, no Roma player, I don't think no player at all, had scored a poker, four goals uh, in a derby before. And what's incredible about this one is not only does he score a hat-trick in the first half, but two of the goals are headers. Uh, and he's he's five foot five, <laughs> Montella. You know, I don't think he'd scored many headers in his in his life before. And the thing is, for three of those goals, well, all of them, the guy he gets the better of it every single one is Alessandro Nesta. Right. So Alessandro Nesta, who again, legend has it, refuses to come out for the second half. Yeah. Whether it was his decision, whether it was Zaccaroni, mm. he said after the game that his mind was elsewhere, his head wasn't right, because the club had already told him they were going to be selling him to Milan at the end of the season. And Nesta was a born and bred Lazio player, come up through the ranks, Roman kid. Same generation as Totti, they played against each other in, in, in youth teams. Um, there's some really great grainy footage of their their first game together uh, on one of those kind of dusty intercity pitches in 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 Rome. And you know, I think that was a great shame that Lazio went found themselves in such financial dire mm. straits that they had to sell um, Nesta and ended up briefing that he wanted to go, that it was his decision, and he was betraying the cause when he would never have left had they 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 been able to to keep him. That's I think the thing with with Totti is that. Totti had big offers and turned them down, but the club always kind of ponied up, I suppose, in order to try and keep him. Lazio weren't able to do that with Nesta, otherwise I think he would have he would have been there from the start to well, the finish it, of his career. Again, this was the time when things were beginning to go seriously wrong for uh, Chidio, the uh, Cragnosi conglomerate. Mm. Three goals in 25 minutes from Montella. I think they were all set up by Francesco Totti. There's an incredible lob from Stankovic, to get Lazio on the scoreboard. Yeah, one of the great forgotten goals, I yeah. suppose, um, because it was then outdone by another even better lot. Well, is this the one you were referencing before when you talked about his greatest derby goal ever? Yeah. Okay. Without doubt, because it's it's trademark Totti. Totti, what, outside the box, maybe 25, 30 metres, spots Peruzzi off his line, and... Scores a cucchiaio, his uh, spoon, the lob that uh, he made a, a habit of throughout his career. And then, obviously, another T-shirt, James. This time whips it off, Seunica, um, which was for um, for his soon-to-be wife, mm. Ilari Blasi, in the stands. You are unique. Um, Who was sitting there in the Tribuna d'Onore, Tribuna VIP. And uh, not far from, from Sergio Cragnotti, who basically did not move a muscle from the start of the game to the end. Right through halftime, he just sat there, transfixed by the collapse of his team. A, a, a remarkable, remarkable match. 5-1 it finished. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see something like that this weekend. Saturday evening it is when the two teams get back together again. Now, in recent years... One of the key elements of the derby, the, the tifo, the choreographia that, that happens before the game, has been not at its old levels because there's been 
protest mostly from the Lazio fans who've, who've been trying to unseat Lotito for years now. But the Roma Ultras as well have been uh, scaling back on their commitment to this and even coming in late and various other things. Not There was one derby where they, they were on strike for the, the actual derby, I think, wasn't it? Well, both, both sets of fans. Yeah. And that was because um, after the, was it the Coppa Italia final between Napoli and, and Fiorentina, where a Napoli fan was killed before that game, um, the Procura, they decided to basically take all these anti-violence measures and put plexiglass partition, essentially the Curva Sud and the Curva Nord with these plexiglass walls, which um, both sets of ultras took issue with and went on strike. And so attendances at uh, Roman Lazio games really suffered in that period. They've since been removed. And I think we have seen in the last two years that certainly because the teams have been either in Roma's case, reaching Champions League semi-finals. In Lazio's case, being in the mix for the top four until the final day, attendances have been, I'd say, around the forty thousand mark. Right. Um, but yeah, I would share with you, James, the hope that there is a great choreography this this um, this weekend because we all know what these two sets of fans are capable of, really. Um, which I would say matches what we see on a regular basis in the in the Madonina, the Milan derby, which some of the choreographies in that are just mind-blowing. Well, let's have a little look forward to the game and indeed some of the other lights this weekend after this. If you're thinking, uh, where can I watch the action this weekend? Well, you may be aware that Serie A is back on UK TV, courtesy of Premier Sports, who are the exclusive rights holders for Serie A in the UK until 2021. One of them is the Rome Derby. Another is Napoli Juve. We'll be talking about that very shortly as well. And a little bit later on, we'll have news of a special offer for you, listener, because you listen to Galazzo from Premier Sports. Just a quick preview on what awaits uh, between the Giallo Rossi and the Bianco Celeste this time around. Now, on Tuesday afternoon, we still didn't know when the game was going to be played. Mm-hmm. Have they now finally settled what the kickoff time is? No. Well, at the time of recording, yeah. no. Okay. Um, and I, I, I was surprised that it was going to be an evening game because they've been reluctant to essentially allow these sets of fans to have all day for the tension to build. Right. Um, and also the, the night in which to operate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll no doubt find out when our listeners find out <laughs> when it's going to be played. Yeah. OK, six points currently between Roma and Lazio, although Lazio do have a game in hand after their mm. fixture last weekend uh, away at Udinese was postponed. Roma, who've actually put together a really decent run of form after that 7-1 thrashing by Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia, they've won four of their last five. They've got the best record in the league, I think, since, the, since they lost to Juventus in December. Um, they're unbeaten in eight. Um, and they're scoring a lot of goals. The issue is, and I think Lazio will look at this and see it as an opportunity for them, is they're also conceding a lot as well, Mm. and they're sweating on the fitness of their best defender, Costas Manolas, who twisted his ankle in the 3-2 win against Frosinone last uh, last weekend. Right, a narrow 3-2 win, which I I think that's not exactly confidence building, having a result like that against a a side that's struggling like Frosinone are? No, I mean, they've won, but they haven't played well in each of the last two games against teams that are fighting for their lives down at the bottom, Bologna and and Frosinone. Um, But, you know, in some respects, Dzeko is is scoring goals in the league now, which he he hadn't been doing and is in good form. And uh, El Shawari's been very good this season, I think profited from the fact that (laughs) Perotti has spent a lot of time out injured, although he's back now. Undere has been injured for, for quite some time. Clive is taking some time to adapt. Yeah, this should be good. 
Although Zaniolo, I guess, will be the, the player everyone's looking forward to seeing. Yeah, action. also because as, as um, Il Romanista, the kind of Roma daily paper, pointed out that you can use the letters in his name to, to spell Lazio, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's not significant, I don't know what is. Lazio, uh, in the meantime, arriving with a real defensive crisis, all mm. sorts of injuries at the back, and a kind of makeshift defensive line. They've uh, had five defeats in the last eight games, got knocked out of the Europa League, and are really trailing now in the race for a top four place, which this could be a huge boost towards six points behind Roma. As I say, if they win this game and their game in hand, they're now level with the Gialarossi. Yeah, uh, exactly. Lazio were also in, involved in midweek in the, in the first leg of their cup semi-final against Milan, which they drew nil-nil. But they're in a position at the moment where they're having to play Lucas Leiva in defence, and Lucas Leiva is not 100% fit um, at the moment. Um, and the guys who were brilliant for them last year, Milinkovic, Savic and, and Luis Alberto, um, have shown flickers of getting back to their best, but have never really burned consistently. And I think that's that's been problematic for them. So... But it's a derby. You learn to mistrust the form book in this rivalry. Also, let's not forget, was it a couple of years ago, Lazio in the semi-finals of the Cup knocked out Spalletti's Roma. Um, Simone Inzaghi, you know, I think helped consolidate his place on the Lazio bench by doing that in this fixture. So, yeah, should be should be an interesting one. Of course, all all fans of both teams, the way they want to win a derby is by the other team scoring an own goal. Mm, Negro style. Negro style. Right. Uh, the Lazio, Lazio defender... Um, who famously told Totti to speak Italian uh, in in one of those games rather than Roman dialect. Um, scored a known goal in 2000, was I it? I think it was 2000. And then yeah. Roma fans decided to get Negro number two shirts printed on, on the Roma colours. Um, <laughs> you can still see them <laughs> at, at, uh, at Derby's to this day. Magnificent. Okay, so uh, that top four race, of course, also features Inter, who are in third place, but rapidly being caught by the likes of Roma and Milan. Inter are away at Cagliari. They, of course, had that remarkable Inter, that uh, 3-3 draw away at uh, Fiorentina mm. uh, on uh, Sunday night. We talked about that a little bit in the, the, the Totally Football show. We should just salute again the extraordinary uh, Christophe Pionte. I know he didn't he didn't score in, in the clash uh, in the cup midweek, but he grabbed another goal and it was a, a fine finish on a very nicely worked Milan move in, in the... the uh, 3-0 win against Empoli. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's now, I think, five goals in four in the league since joining Milan and seven in six now in all competitions because of that Coppa game. Midweek. Yeah, he became the first Milan player to score in his first four league starts for the club since Oliver Bierhoff uh, in 1998. Now, it's really tempting when you see him in action, particularly when you see goals like the one he scored against Atalanta, mm. which was this ex- I mean, remarkable over-the-shoulder volley in the sense that he volleys it back over his shoulder into the goal. Yeah. It's one of the goals of the season, without a doubt, because um, the ball comes in from Ricardo Rodriguez, who's basically just got into Atalanta's half, and I think puts the ball towards Piontek, expecting him to hold it up and lay it off for someone. Piontek's running towards it, and without hesitation, he basically just foots it back over his shoulder into the goal. Extraordinary. But as I say, it's really tempting when you see him in action to get very, very silly about the comparisons you want to make with him. The picture of 
of, of Chevre him. Chevre and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With him and uh, Paqueta. Uh, comparing him to Chevre or any any one of the, the glorious Rossoneri uh, centravanti of the past. But but he looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, and it's quite interesting listening to Gattuso talk about him um, in that, you know, when he was unveiled, he said he's a, a little bit like Robocop in that he basically only has one stock phrase, which is, I want to score. And yeah, after the Atalanta game, he also he, he went one further saying, just as, you know, newborn babies, um, their first word tends to be mummy, mummy, uh, mamma, mamma. Um, Piontex must have been goal, goal, goal. And he says that having him around the training ground, Piontek doesn't like training. He doesn't want to train. Um, he just wants to play and score goals. Um, and so essentially what they limit him to doing is they just show him clips of how defenders move, how defenders play and work on those movements. And that's it. That's all they do in, in training with him. Um, so And it's working for them. Um, so you know, they're, they're two points behind Inter and they're one point ahead of Roma and they are hosting Sassuolo mm. uh, this weekend while Inter travel to Cagliari and Roma, of course, have the derby. Now, there's another absolutely huge match this weekend. It's uh, going to be the Sunday evening game as Napoli welcome Juventus to the San Paolo. Can they become the first team to beat Juve this season in Serie A? I think they can um, because Napoli are in, in good form um, at the moment. Um, they handsomely beat Parma, uh, the Ennio Tardini, at the weekend 4-0. Uh, Milik is in, is in great form, um, scored as many free kicks as Lionel Messi this season, scored three, <laughs> went under the wall for, the, for this one. They were without Insigne at the weekend. It didn't matter. Ancelotti's using his squad really well. You think of Unas, who looks really mm. good at the moment, scored twice against Zurich and came off the bench and scored... Um, against Parma as well. Juventus look all at sea at the moment. They look physically exhausted. Um, Since our last show, of course, they've had that 2-0 defeat away at Atletico Madrid and then a very narrow victory at Bologna this weekend. Yeah, lucky win against Bologna. I think, again, it was part of this trend where they haven't really played well at all since the turn of the year. And Allegri's tried a couple of new things. He's tried Bernadeschi in midfield, and he did okay um, against Bologna. He tried Cancelo as a winger rather than as a fullback, but that didn't really work. Um, and, you know, at the moment, um, Juventus look out of sorts, and, and teams with less talent than Napoli in the league have been able to get at them. Um, so, you know, I think Napoli got in front against them in, in Turin in the reverse fixture by pressing high, which, you know, Juventus find that really awkward to play against. And then Ronaldo had a brilliant game. He didn't score, but he was involved in all of um, Juventus' three goals. But I would say that Ronaldo now is not in the kind of form he was then. And that's that's going to complicate things for Juventus uh, this weekend. Well, the game at the San Paolo and the Rome derby, whenever they play it, are just two of the five games that will be shown live on Premier Sports this weekend as well as uh, the Clasico in Spain between Real Madrid and Barcelona, because Premier Sports also have the rights to La Liga 2. Uh, listener, I mentioned a deal. Because you listen to Golazzo, you can get Premier Sports via Sky and the Premier Player for just five ninety nine a month and get your first month completely free. Uh, sign up now at premiersports.com, entering the promo code GOLADSO, or dial 0871 663 Premier Sports is also available on Virgin TV. Terms and conditions apply, so find out more by heading to premiersports.com and entering that promo code GOLADSO. That's GOLADSO with one L and two Zs. I'm really looking forward to this weekend, and who knows if it won't afford us a, another fat chapter in the history of this most extraordinary 
of Italian fixtures, the, the Rome derby, as well as, of course, the colossal Napoli-Juve title clash. Just 13 points between them, remember. We'll look back on all of that next week, James. Looking forward to it. As am I. Listener, do join us then next Wednesday when we return with Galato for now. From all of us here, it's Arrivederci. You've been listening to Galazzo, the totally Italian football show. It's a Muddy Knees Media production, and for sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. <laughs>